Hey folks, it is Marcus Allen. It is Saturday, September 11th, 2021 at 733. Ooh, I timed that right. N33. And this is the Marcus Allen Show. For some reason, I'm in a fantastic mood, although I shouldn't be. I'm seeing suffering all around me, all kinds of bad news. If you're new to me, I should probably... And you're probably new to me because a lot of people are going to find out about me for the first time because of this being a 9-11 show. I've been at the 9-11 thing forever. Uh, I wouldn't say, people say I'm a leading 9-11 researcher. It's, I'm not leading anything. I've just been at it since the beginning. When I first saw, when I was watching Mark Haynes on CNBC report that some small airplane crashed into the towers, the first tower. Uh, that's when it all began, 8-46-9-11-2001. And then when the second plane plowed into the towers, seemingly, on TV, the first thing I thought of, because I'm a very skeptical yet optimistic person, I'm very optimistic about the future, the long-term future, not the short-term future, but I'm very skeptical and jaded. And it has served me well. I've lived a fantastic life because of my skepticism. And I'll get into that in a moment. I saw what happened. And the first thing that hit me was that someone took over the autopilot of both planes, which is very easy to do. It's very easy to hack that. I'm a software developer. I know how easy it is to make this stuff happen. And that's what I thought. Didn't take too long after that to figure out that that wasn't true. Uh, what, 45 minutes after the second plane hit the building, we were told that the intelligence agencies knew that Osama bin Laden pulled off 9-11. And I know that's BS because it doesn't take that short amount of time to, to do an investigation. And ever since then, I've looked into it. In fact, I have spent easily easily 10,000 hours looking into 9-11 on my own. I've put out almost 1,000 hours 9-11 related in my archive, which you can get at escapethenewnormal.com. If you join us at Exclave Private Towns, which I am the developer of, and you join us as a member, you get all my archives included in the price of membership. And it is quite the deal. It's peanuts. You can get it for peanuts. Escapethenewnormal.com. And while I have no regrets about anything I do in life, it's what makes me who I am right now, which I'm really happy about. Uh, it was a mistake to spend, not invest, spend that much time on what really happened on 9-11. By the way, if you're watching this, if you're watching this, you're you're literally looking over my shoulder or my screen. If you're listening to the podcast, I'll explain what everyone's looking at right now. But this is a 34-second clip that actually just came out this year, which seals the deal for me on what really happened on 9-11. But getting back to my, my narrative, my story, yeah, so I've been a very skeptical person all my life ever since first grade, actually. I remember questioning how God could be dead and live in the sky and rule over us, uh, which didn't go over too well with my first grade teacher, Mrs. Berger. And I've been able to look at 
the things that the culture creation industry, which is funded by the banksters, those are the people who do all this stuff, pull it all off. And I've had an excellent life because I know what is BS and what's not. I know what to avoid and know how not to get usually scammed. If I do get scammed, it's for small amounts of money. And that includes 9-11. Now, I've divided this show into two parts. The first part I call what didn't happen on 9-11, which is way more important than what I think did happen on 9-11. And the second part, I'm titling it uh, why uh, I'm drawing a blank. KYC. There we go. KYC. You can see all my notes. As you can see, there's going to be a lot of things that I talk about. So I would recommend turning your notifications off, maybe closing your door, getting an adult beverage. If you're into that, I'm not. I quit drinking about, oh, eight, nine, ten years ago. But I have no problem if you do. You want to light a cigar? Fine. Doesn't affect me too much kind of a little bit of a distance from you. That's cool. And finally, if you would like to pass this on to someone, it doesn't matter who it is. You can pass this on to a normie. Uh, typically, I recommend passing my stuff on to people who know there's something wrong with life but don't know exactly what it is. Those are the things that I talk about. I am occasionally a guest on Tim from Fakeologist.com. Uh, we do a show together. You can listen to them too. And that's what we do. We try to figure out how life really works so we can, again, not only survive life, but thrive. And there is my story, and I'm sticking to it. Let's get right to it. First thing I want to do is I want to talk, before we get into it, I want to talk about a phrase that was given to me by a caller-inner when I used to take caller-inners many, many years ago. I forget the person's name, and I apologize for that. But he said that we shouldn't be talking about conspiracy candy. And bam, as soon as I heard that, that phrase, I said, oh, I really like that phrase. Can I steal it? He's like, sure. And yeah, 9-11 is just riddled, riddled with conspiracy candy. I'd say there are easily dozens. I think I picked maybe the top 12. And I'd like to go over that before I talk about what's really important, which is, again, what did not happen on 9-11. Way easier to prove the impossible than the possible. Now, again, I'm assuming that you're listening because you know something about 9-11 is wrong, but don't know exactly what it is, or you like some confirmation bias. So let's get right into that. Of course, if you're in that position, you know about Building 7. By the way, oh, I'm going too fast. Let me go back to this. Take a look at this video. Now, again, if you're on the podcast, I'll explain it. What I just saw was the explosion that everyone has seen on TV. And I have it on loop. I'm going to loop it during the end. I anticipate we're going to go at least 90 minutes, maybe even two hours. And I'm going to keep this on loop because I'm going to do what they have done to us for 20 years. I'm just going to keep showing it and showing it and showing it. And this is from a JVC, let's see, a JVC Handycam. Allegedly, it looks pretty darn real to me. And if you look at it, there's something missing from the video. And that is the theme of what is impossible that has happened on 9-11. I'll get back to that. So back to Conspiracy Candy Building 7. I'm going to have a bunch of notes here. I will post the notes in my companion notes section, which is underneath the video of this and the audio of this. 
And let's go to this YouTube video. Okay, so this is an interview that was done by We Are Change, which in my judgment is controlled opposition, meaning, so I'm gonna, there's gonna be a lot of words I, I throw out, and I'm gonna assume people are gonna hear this for, for the first time. So if you're, if you're not new to this, just stick with it. Controlled opposition is basically thought leaders that arrive on the scene, usually out of nowhere, and they give us a lot of truths. And then typically a year or so later, they spin us into la-la land with a bunch of nonsense. And we are change is one of them type of controlled oppositions. However, this is one of the truth things that they did. So they interviewed, let me see what I got the timestamp, 450. Okay, so, so on 9-11, we're, most people think that two buildings came down in New York City. Some people know that three buildings came down in New York City. Actually, none of those numbers is correct. I'll get more into that later into the show. So the, a lot of people were hip to the fact that the BBC, which is across the pond over there, they announced prematurely that the Solomon Building, which is Building 7, at the World Trade Center complex, they said it came down, even though right in the video, I'm going to show it to you, the building was still standing. So they lied, and they got caught in a lie. So here it is. Jane Stanley. Jane, what more can you tell us about the Salomon Brothers building and its collapse? As you can see behind me, the uh, Trade Center appears to be still burning. We see these huge clouds of smoke and ash, and we know that behind that, there's an empty piece of what was a very familiar New York skyline, a symbol of the financial prosperity of this city. Well, this is all news to me. I, I really am I'm surprised. It would have been late. What's going on here is uh, the, the TV announcer is pretending like he doesn't remember what happened, you know, uh, eight years or seven years. This is from 2008. And he's just making excuses. He got caught in a lie. So again, let me play that again, because I was trying to pump up the volume there. Jane, what more can you tell us about the Salomon Brothers building and its collapse? As you can see behind me, the uh, Trade Center... Remember, he said, what can you tell us about the collapse? She doesn't mention it. He mentions it. And then she points back and says, take a look. But the building is still standing there. You'll see it Here's come up. Still burning. We see these huge clouds of smoke and This ash. is building seven, the Solomon building. That. It's still standing. An empty piece of what was a this isn't the first time that the culture creation industry has gotten caught in a time lie. Let me see if I can find it here. JFK Christ Church assassination. I can't easily find it right now. I'll put it in the companion notes. But basically, uh, <laughs> during the JFK assassination lie, because it was a lie, it was a hoax. I'll do a show about that. The people of Christchurch, I think that's Australia or New Zealand, one of the two down, down under, they announced that JFK died before he died or got assassinated before he got assassinated, one of the two. I forget. I'll post a link to it. So it's kind of like that. 
I don't know if this is on a pur on purpose thing or they just got caught. I'm skeptical either way. Either way, it's a lie. And that alone, that conspiracy candy right there, which you really can't prove that that 9-11's a lie based on that conspiracy candy, but it all adds up. So there's that. Next, do you remember when Donald Rumsfeld came on TV the night before 9-11 and said $2.3 trillion was missing from the Treasury? Well, if you don't remember that, here it is. Coming up, I promise. Here we go. Pentagon, the day before 9-1-1, Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld declared war, not on foreign terrorists, the adversaries closer to home. It's the Pentagon bureaucracy. He said money wasted by the military poses a serious threat. In fact, it could be said that it's a matter of life and death. Rumsfeld promised change, but the next day, the world changed. And in the rush to fund the war on terrorism, the war on waste seems to have been forgotten. My 03 budget. Anyhow, it's been forgotten. And to add more to the conspiracy candy, allegedly where the plane went in at the Pentagon, which it didn't, I'll get into that in a moment, that is in the exact same section that the $2.3 trillion missing paperwork was and was destroyed. Wow, darn the luck. Isn't that interesting? Next conspiracy candy was that Israeli agents were in the that worked in the towers that day were told to stay away from the towers. And we see this from Snopes, which is a very unreliable debunking site. Thousands of Israelis. Oh, here we go. Were absent from the WTC on 9-11. Is this true? And they go do their best to debunk it. Doesn't matter whether it was true or not. They say it's false, of course. Again, I can't prove this, so it's conspiracy candy. Next, insider trading, unusual option market activity and the terrorist attacks of 9-11. So we'll see that. Let me get rid of this, some of the tabs. So again, this was definitely pumped out there. Unusual option activity, market activity and the terrorist attacks of September 11th. And there was a whole... 24-page report about that. Now, maybe it's true. Maybe there was some insider trading because people knew that Bush and Cheney were evil and they were going to do 9-11, which gets into that conspiracy candy too. I'll get into that down here. Next, this is a very interesting one. Very interesting. Famous people still alive. There are actually over 300 famous and well-known people who avoided death on 9-11 because they were lucky and they had cancellations and this and that, and they weren't on the airplanes that allegedly crashed, which didn't, into the towers on 9-11. So as you can see here, we have, oh, this is so hard to read. Let me go into Reader View. That's a little tip, by the way, if you're on a Mac. I use Reader View to skip all the ads and stuff, and here we go. So we have Michael Jackson avoided death, Sarah Ferguson, the Duchess of York, I guess. Mark Wahlberg. Oh, they're so lucky. <laughs> so lucky that they missed out. Mark Wahlberg, Seth MacFarlane. Of course, Seth MacFarlane 
if you know anything about conspiracy theories, he's always involved in predicting conspiracy theories that come true from school shootings, et cetera, et cetera, Gwyneth Paltrow, et cetera, et cetera, Sarah Ferguson, Rob Lowe, and on and on. There were, Again, there were over 300. I just couldn't find them. I think it was deleted into the memory hole of the internets. The dancing Israelis, that's all I heard about. And then ABC News is pushing this nonsense propaganda conspiracy candy. Were Israelis detained on the 7-11? Were Israelis detained on 7 I can't even, this is a terrible headline. Anyway, they were the dancing Israelis who were celebrating the death of America, yada, yada. And then a van, they were in a van by the giant stadium. Again, sounds like a load of nonsense to me. Does not prove or disprove 9-11. And then we've got, of course, Bush did it. Air defense's stand-down theory. So if we go to the Washington Post, take it out on 9-11 Cheney's Harrowing, uh, I got to go to this again. Herring orders to shoot down the U.S. airliners. So I'm not even going to read this. Of course, they're going to deny it. Doesn't matter. Bush, Cheney had nothing to do with 9-11. I promise you, it was the banksters. Then we have from Simon Shack, who is a well-regarded 9-11 researcher who put out the video called September Clues. I'll put a link to September Clues, in fact. Let me remind to do that. He put out something which I disagree with called the Vic Sims Report. And if you read this, basically, uh, a partner of his name, by going by the avatar name Hoi Poloi, Maxime Comrade, he goes by many different names nowadays. Now he's a New Ager type. They basically were able to, to show that there were false identities with all the victims of the people involved in 9-11. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. There's no way to know for sure. They certainly do a good job of making it seem like it's true. But again, this is conspiracy candy, and I don't really like to entertain it too much. Next, cockpit report recorders were destructed and not found. Why wasn't one single black box recovered from any of the crashes on 9-11? Well, that's not true. They actually found one, or no, two. The one in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, which is near Pittsburgh. And another one, and then they make the excuse that the other two weren't able to be found because it crashed into concrete and it got sharded and has high energy impacts and all this kind of nonsense even though black boxes are supposed to be indestructible. Again, it's plausible deni uh, plausible deniability going on here. Don't know whether it's true or not. Conspiracy candy, as far as I'm concerned. Now, this one's interesting. Drill's gone live. And this article is still up. I'm shocked. So let me see if I can do a quick search. City releases tapes of 9-11 calls for September 11th attack. Shimmy. Here we go. Shimmy Bagelson, who worked on computer systems for fiduciary trust in the South Tower, was on the 97th floor where, by chance, by chance, an emergency drill had been scheduled for that day. Now, that would be one coincidence if it was just one 
emergency drill, which makes it so that no one could be in the building, by the way. But what if I told you there was more than one? Well, here we go. Here, the military drills on 9-11, bizarre coincidence or something else. And here we go. At least six exercises were scheduled on September 11th. Rumor has it that FEMA coincidentally was doing an exercise the night before on 9-11. And again, you have all these drills and excuses on the plausibility of why people weren't in the building that day. A very important point. People were not in the buildings on 9-11 that day. I'm about to prove it. So those are the conspiracy candy points, which I've spent, like I said, countless hundreds of hours on. And I, like I said, I don't regret it, but if I had to do life all over again, I certainly wouldn't have done that again. What I would have done instead is I would have waited a little bit of time and I would have gone into what I'm about to show you right now. So let's go back. Well, before I do that, let's talk about the, the planes that went into the towers, at least. They were 180 feet long and max passenger count was 269. If you calculate how tall a 150-foot-long airplane is, it is longer than a 20-story building. A few decades ago, that would have qualified officially as a skyscraper. They have since changed that. So now a 20-story building is a mini skyscraper. In order to be a full-fledged skyscraper is 40 stories. Either way, you cannot miss... An airplane that is 180 freaking feet long. You cannot miss that. You can see it. You can hear it. You can feel it, the vibration. Oh, and by the way, the official story is that this 180 foot long, 269 passenger jet, two of them, was going 550 to 600 miles an hour, 800 feet above sea level. That is a 9-11 impossibility. Ask anyone who flies planes, and they will tell you that that's not true. When you go to the airport and you do what we do, I love watching airplanes take off and land. They're going about 150 to 150, 160 miles an hour uh, both ways. They are not going 550 miles an hour. That is ridiculous. It is physically impossible unless there's some black budget airplanes that we don't know about, commercial airlines cannot do 550 miles an hour, 800 feet above sea level. Now, I have three short videos. In fact, if this is my elevator pitch, in fact, let me mark down the time here because I'm going to do a little snippet of this at 23 minutes and 11 seconds. Okay. So if you were to ask me what did not happen on 9-11, and I can only show you three short clips. These would be the clips. So again, the first clip, which I've been running in the background over and over again on loop, is a JVC Handycam. It looks very real to me. I am a graphics guy. It would be virtually impossible to take something out of this video. And if you watch this video, you're going to see that there was no plane that struck the tower in this video. Let's take a look at it again. Watch 
about right here. That's where the explosions go off, most likely Hollywood-style explosions with a smoke screen device that blew the smoke out. In fact, the smoke, as Simon Schack, I just listened to him today. Here we go. If you look in the section right where that bar was, you're going to, boom, just an explosion. Uh, and then smoke is a smoke generator is going to come out and fill the air with smoke. That smoke lasted all day. Now that's impossible too. If you watch controlled demolition videos, which is quite the hobby, there's tons of them on YouTube. You'll see that a controlled demolition, like when they take down a stadium or a hotel, it lasts about 25 minutes worth of debris in the air, and then it finally settles down. Not on 9-11. 9-11 was magical. The entire island of Manhattan was filled with smoke the entire day. So there it is. That's, that's the first video. Let me go to the second video that I'd show. Second video is this. Take a listen to this ABC News eyewitness who said he saw no planes hit the towers. Don Naylor, who was on the scene. Don, just give me some description again of what, you're, uh, what you can see now. What we're seeing, it appears that the, there is more and more fire and smoke enveloping the very top of the building. And as fire crews are descending on this area, it... It does not appear that there's any kind of a, an effort up there yet. Now remember, oh my God. That looks like a second plane. Just, I didn't see a plane go in. That, that just exploded. You just saw another plane coming in from the side. <laughs> Did you hear that? I'm going to repeat that. Listen to that again. That looks like a second plane. Just, I didn't see a plane go in. That... That just exploded. You just saw another plane coming in from the side. You did. I did. That was out of, yeah, so that's the second I did not see a plane. Oh, no, you saw a plane. Uh, no, you didn't see a plane. But then, if you're still not convinced, if those two videos don't do it for you, oh, I've saved the best for last. And this is from Simon Shack. And I believe... Let me see if I have a timestamp. I don't. Let me see. Bum, 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 bum. Hmm. Here it is. I think it is. Take a look. Uh, apparently a large plane, according to that, I witnessed you feel. Okay, here it is. It's about seven minutes in. Take a look at this side. And then look at this side. So when you see the plane come in and crash, you're going to see a simultaneous shot over here. You're going to see a plane here, and you won't see a plane come through here. And then I'm going to just blow you away when we when we reverse the video going backwards. That vantage point from Hoboken, that, that as you look at the picture from our shop right now, arriving at the scene, uh, Jim Friedman and Hoboken, uh, said it appeared to back sharply and smash directly, perhaps purposely, into. Oh my goodness, there's another one. Oh my goodness, there's another one. Seems to be on purpose. Oh my goodness, Okay, did you see that? So the plane went in here, but the same shot over here 
there was no plane. Now watch this. I'm going to reverse the video. And you're going to see that the plane only exists for a little bit of time. But when you zoom back out, there's no plane. That's because they just inserted it at the last minute. Watch. See, it goes out and then it disappears. No plane. There's no way this plane could travel this far out of frame with a zoom out that fast. So again, let me let me show you again. Actually, let me keep it there. A large plane, according to that eyewitness, Jim Friedel, uh, that vantage point from Hoboken, that uh, as you look at the picture from our shop right now, arriving at the scene, uh, Jim Friedel and Hoboken uh, said it appeared to back sharply and smash directly, perhaps purposely. Okay, plane goes in there. You didn't see a plane go through here, and you didn't see it at all. You would have seen it right back here. Remember. This is a 200, almost a 200 foot plane. That's 10 stories of a skyscraper or a mini skyscraper. Didn't see it. You saw it here. But then when we reverse out, there's no plane. See that? I'll do it one more time. Our shop right now, arriving at the scene, Jim Friedman Hogan said it appeared to back sharply and smash directly perhaps purposely into, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and then once again, I'll reverse it out and watch it. You'll see it just a little bit and then it disappears from the frame. Again, they just zoomed in and then had a, a graphics person put the plane image in. Boom, that's how they did it. So watch, I'm going to go back. And the plane's gone. Okay. So now you might be thinking, okay, I'm almost there, Mr. Marcus Allen. I need more proof. Well, I'm going to give it to you. This, I don't know the source. What's interesting is when I play, I'm going to turn the volume down because it's a lot of chaos and shouting and stuff. You're going to see what appears to be a real video. It's one of the only real videos that we've ever looked into on 9-11 that's very close. Uh, let me pump up the volume a little bit. Test, test, test. A lot of debris, a lot of sirens, etc. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you, I forget where it's at. I think it's here. Watch this. This is definitely it. Watch. Okay. Couple things. See the 69, 69 degrees. That's that's accurate because it was a beautiful, gorgeous late summer day in New York City. I know that because I once stayed over and it was the exact same weather. Most people reported all throughout the world, actually, that it was beautiful. It was like one of the most fantastic, beautiful days ever. Now watch this. Watch this change to 904, okay? 
Now, I'm assuming that this clock is reasonably accurate, 904. This is a problem. I'll get to that in a second. So this guy bumps into this guy, and then watch what happens. Did you see that? Let's go back a little bit again. So during this entire 13 minute video, it's crystal clear imagery, no matter where the guy points the camera, it doesn't change, it does the white balance right. Clearly it's a very decent recording device. But magically, when the plane hits, it overexposes. See that? Let me show that again. Watch. It 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 goes into it goes from the light to the dark and the camera does its job and readjusts the white balance and the autofocus and all the rest of it. No problem. And then there's a jump cut which means that from here to here, remember it was 9.04, has to be some amount of time. A jump cut, it's gonna take at least seconds for it to, to come over. My guess is that it was way further, much longer than the 9.04's timestamp. And then we get this, where you can't see a plane, you can't hear a plane. There's no jet engine that comes flying down, no landing gear that comes flying down, nothing. It's just an explosion. Now again, this looks very real to me, which is unusual because most of what we saw in 9-11 was very fake. And people look really freaked out. And I would be freaked out. And I don't freak out. It looks very real. And the other thing too, uh, let me backtrack a little bit here. You saw first responder ambulances and stuff like that. Although not too many. You, you, when there's a car accident here where I live, I live in the sticks. Like, the, the, like they bring out the entire cavalry. <laughs> like everyone comes out. There's... I don't know, five fire trucks, all the fire police people, the volunteers, all for a traffic accident. Yet there's relatively few people here. That's very suspicious to me. So that gets into the question, which I'll get into. Let's get into that right now. What, what really happened? So again, I believe Hollywood-style special effects explosions and never-ending smoke screens that lasted throughout the day. That's what we saw that was portrayed on TV as a plane going into the building. The culture creation industry spun a pre-scripted, very well-thought-out narrative of the day's events. All but one eyewitness that gave interviews worked for the media. Hat tip to Simon Shaka uh, of September Clues again on that. I did not know that. There was one guy who picked up trash. 
He was the only one not in the media. Every other witness, eyewitness to what happened worked for the media. Very suspicious. Psychic driving, repetition, the oldest marketing trick in the book. Every anniversary, which included today, they would show over and over and over again what happened on 9-11. Would you show a car crash over and over and over again on because it was a car crash with people dying? No, of course not. People would be super upset about that. And the news, as much as I hate them, they would never do something like that, but not 9-11. They've probably shown that reel of the plane, the Flight 175, crashing into the building 10,000 times easily, just on one channel. Multiply that times all the channels and YouTube videos, et cetera. It's just never-ending psychic driving, which is repetition. And then the next thing is never admit holes in the story, right? So let's talk about that. Anyone remember the Pentagon? Well, here's the official story about what ha happened at the Pentagon. This is the closed circuit TV. Watch right here. And you tell me if a plane hit the building. Let me repeat that. Take a look here. Did a plane hit the building? Nope. Now, of course, they put out the story, well, it was a missile. Well, if it was a missile that wasn't a plane, then the, the official story is a lie. Bam, right off that, that alone should be the, the official story is a lie. There was no plane that hit the building that we can see it. And not only can we see it, and the good thing about what's happening with the COVID lie, the big whopper of a lie, is that tons of people are seeing it. Look at this. Plane my ass looks like a missile to me. Really? Of course there is no plane. Am I watching a slideshow? Drones fire missiles and then crashes into the building. Witness years ago was looking at the Pentagon and didn't see a jet, hear a jet, etc. Only the explosion was she killed off trying to find her interview, etc., etc. It's just one doubter after another. This is fantastic. I mean, I've been waiting for this for decades, for people to snap out of their programming, have critical thinking, and look with a skeptical eye what the culture creation industry led by the banksters who roll over us telling us what really is happening. And that's what's happening here. It's fantastic. Uh, where's my Wally? The Wally, did I put this in the wrong spot? Let's talk about Wally. This is big for me. This is this was a big one. I was screaming about this and everyone ignored it. So let me move this up. Here we go. Wally Miller was the coroner, the guy who takes care of the dead people at the Shanksville site. And take a look at all the quotes that Wally said before he had a change of heart. Someone got to him, got him to change his mind about stuff. That doesn't come up with, I have a backup link. Might have to use the backup link. Yep. Oh, I hate when that does that. Let me see if I can go back. There we go, good. No bodies were found in Shanksville, said the coroner. Let me read some of the quotes. I stopped being a coroner after 20 minutes because there were no bodies there. It became like a giant funeral service. This is the most eerie thing. I have not to this day seen a single drop of blood 
not a drop. Uh, and it goes on, uh, where's the plane, et cetera. It goes on and on and on. Uh, he had a bunch of quotes. And again, it's all been deleted from the internet. That's why I had to do a backup, and I'm surprised this is still standing. So yeah, the coroner of the Shanksville crash site didn't see a drop of blood, didn't look like a, a plane crash there. There were no engines there. Engines are one of the, the most... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? S solidly built items on the planet. Nothing. N nothing. Gone. Completely. Crazy. Oh, here are some other quotes. But this is this is kind of saying that he changed his mind. Let's see. He told author David McCall, I got to the actual crash site. Couldn't believe what I saw. Usually you see much debris, wreckage, and much noise and commotion. This crash was different. There was no wreckage, no bodies, and no noise. It appears as though there were no passengers or crew on this plane. And the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. It was as if the plane had stopped and let the passengers off before it crashed. He told CNN, it was really an unusual, a very unusual sight. You almost would have thought the passengers, I already read that. Even by the standard model of an airplane crash, there was very little, even by those standards. Wallace Miller, the Somerset County coroner, arrived and walked around the crash site with his assistant volunteer fire chief, Rick King. They walked around for about an hour and found almost no human remains. If you didn't know, you would have thought no one was on the plane. You would have thought they dropped them off somewhere. Next one. It's the most eerie thing. Not a single drop of blood. Miller was familiar with scenes of sudden and violent death, although none quite like this. Walking in his gum boots, the only recognizable body part he saw was a piece of spinal cord with five vertebrae attached. I've seen a lot of highway fatalities where there's fragmentation. The interesting thing about this particular case is that I haven't, to this day, 11 months later, seen any single drop of blood. Not a drop. The only thing I can deduce is that the crash was over in a half a second. There was a fireball 15 to 20 meters high, so all the material just got vaporized. I don't believe that because people in the United States don't talk in meters, they talk in feet. Sounds like someone from the UK put that in. And on and on and on and on it goes because there was no plane that crashed in Shanksville. Now, what can we assert from the fact that no planes were used? Well, of course, that means that the media is complicit in a massive whopper of a lie. Apparently, if we can believe it, Hitler's chief propaganda minister, Mr. Goebbels, talked about the big lie, the whopper of a lie, and why people will believe the big lie. I'll post this in the companion notes. You can read about that. Because again, people do not think that the government lies to us. It's the same with Convid, the Convid 1984 nonsense. They just cannot get over the fact that they would have the audacity to constantly lie to us. And that's exactly how they get away with it. And that's what happened on 9-11, and it continues to this day. Next, another assertion. Remember when I said, guess how many buildings came down on 9-11? How about eight or nine? That's up for dispute. There's one building that we don't know if it was completely demolished, but yes, eight to nine buildings were completely demolished. Bet you didn't know about that. How come the media didn't tell us that? Very interesting. 
So some of the assertions we can make is that no one on the planes died because no planes were used on 9-11. No one in the towers or the buildings or in the fields of Shanksville, Pennsylvania died because there were no planes. No one jumped from the buildings. That's a big one. That's going to be a hard one for people to get over. Again, let me, let me preface by saying this is my judgment and my observations being a keyword, a keyboard looker inner into things. I wasn't there on 9-11, wasn't there in Washington, wasn't there in Shanksville. I can only go by what I see on the internet and by what eyewitnesses say. I have to figure out whether they're lying, whether they're telling the truth, et cetera, et cetera. So this is not advice. This is not me telling you what happened on 9-11. This is what I teach my family at the dinner table. At the dinner table, these are the things that we talk about. These are the probabilities. And this is how we're going to, again, survive life and thrive, knowing this information. Knowing that no one died on 9-11 the way we were told is a great relief. It means the world is not as crazy as we're led to believe. Of course, the banksters want us to think that everything is chaotic because they get order out of chaos. But we know, our family knows, that's not true. So yeah, no one jumped from the buildings on 9-11, although they certainly show very rough, grainy videos of it happening. Uh, and it all sounds convincing. They put sound effects in of people hitting the ground and all that kind of stuff. It does sound horrible. I can assure you, that's not true. So what brought down the buildings? Well, there's many different uh, opinions and thoughts on that. Again, we don't know for sure because the government's still going with the fact that planes brought down the buildings. Many people think it was standard controlled demolition. That sounds plausible to me. Other people think it was dues, which is directed energy weapons. That too sounds plausible to me. To bring down nine buildings in a day without anyone noticing sounds pretty plausible that they would use advanced technology to bring down the buildings. And some others say nukes. I'm not a nuke. I'm not into the nuke thing. Uh, I don't think nukes exist. That gets into a whole nother show. Uh, so yeah, I'm not. I'm not on the nuke side. But you know what? It doesn't matter how the buildings came down. Everyone's obsessed on how the buildings came down. I don't care. I know for a fact the buildings came down because I visited that area many, many times since 9/11. And you wouldn't believe how different that area looks today compared to before. And that's one of the things that they get out of doing these big hoaxes. I call them land clears. It's just an easy way to get rid of buildings that were filled with asbestos and had no, virtually no tenants in them. They were old and uh, the buildings were designed as brutalist, known as, in fact, I'll do a link to that, brutalist architecture, uh, which is very ugly. And people in New York did not like the look of the building and it had to come down and it was replaced by something more modern. It was replaced by a massive mall that's kind of underground for the most part with a very ugly roof. Uh, it was replaced by a brand new subway system underneath the mall is replaced by lots of monuments and reminders of this hoax with people's names on it that probably didn't die. 
They just made the names up, it appears. So that's what came out of it. So that's really the end of part one. We've been going 48 minutes, perfect timing, which brings us into, so why did they pull off 9-11 and what's that have to do with COVID? Convid, as I like to say. Well, I had mentioned a hint before, it's KYC. Let me close my windows here. It's taking up memory. And a big, big hat tip goes to Allison McDowell. I've been a huge fan of Allison McDowell since she surfaced on the scene at least a year ago. I was such a fan that when she opened her home up for people just to swing by and say hi, I visited her. I think it was in October of 2020. Uh, I don't think Allison McDowell is a fan of mine. Doesn't matter. It's a shame. But I am a fan of hers. I went there. I spoke to her for about 10 minutes, and she claimed she had a headache, and she pretty much kicked me out of the house. <laughs> but I did talk to some other person there for a couple hours, and it was delightful. And a quick little story about Allison's neighborhood. This is in the height of people being freaked out, where you had you. Uh, it was recommended you wear a mask, or maybe you had to wear a mask outside. You literally had to wear a mask outside. And my wife, who's the most political, kindest, politically incorrect, I'm sorry, politically correct, kindest person ever, which I hate because that's the exact opposite of me. And I don't, I don't, I'm not into that opposites attract nonsense. Yeah, they might attract, but they don't last. I want her to, to be like me. Well, she became like me that day because after leaving Allison McDowell's house, Allison doesn't know this story, I was walking to meet up with my family and I heard my wife scream across the street, fuck you. The only time she says that is when it's to me. I've never heard her say that to a, a perfect stranger. And that's because someone told her to put her mask on outside of Philadelphia. And by the way, Philadelphia is an absolute shithole right now. A absolute shithole. The dirtiest I've ever seen it. We used to go to Philadelphia all the time. We don't live too far away from it. Anyway, big hat tip to Allison McDowell, who posted this. This was from January earlier this year, 31st, I believe. 2021. I'm opening up Telegram for those of you listening on the podcast. And she wrote this. Boom, boom, boom. She wrote, blah, 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 blah. The stage for interoperable risk profiling data systems and KYC, which is know your customer digital ID, was set up by 9-11. And I remember that. And then she posted another tweet saying something similar to that last week, which has seemingly been deleted because I was going to link to that. So that got me investigating what KYC and 9-11 have to do with each other. So let, let's go back on the KYC thing. If you're into crypto, and I'm going to kind of go nuts about crypto on a, a completely different show. I'll go a little bit nuts right now. Uh, I'm very excited about crypto. Anything that's anti-government is good by me. If there's an alternative to the banking system, I got screwed by the banking system two months ago. Real quick story. I made a payment to Comcast for internet and phone. I don't do TV. And I paid him like $190, which is ridiculous. It used to be like 40 bucks. And I accidentally put in 
a 394 instead of 194 to make the payment. I backed out. It seemed okay. Put it in for 194. It says, are you sure you want to be charged 194? Then on the final page, are you sure you want to be charged 194? Send it in. Next thing you know, um, bouncing checks. Because I, I, I use a transfer account. So I have these. I, I don't write many checks. And I started bouncing checks because, com, uh, because my bank, through the banking app, took out $394 from my transfer account instead of $194. So I went to my bank, told them the story. They even admitted that the timestamp was exactly the same. So I'm sorry, they took out $194 plus $394. And they admitted that it was a mistake. And they're like, we'll put it in. And I said, okay, what are the odds of this going, through, you know, that this is going to be reversed? And first thing they said is going to take 10 days. Uh, and then they said, uh, probably 50-50. I'm like, oh, you just admit, you just admit it. it looks like a clear mistake on the bank's end. And then, and then she kind of had that look on her face like, we're not going to get our money back. And sure enough, we didn't. So now Comcast has 400 extra dollars uh, in COVID times, which is not the best of timing. Money is tight. And yeah, I'm not a big fan of banks. Now, I used to be a big fan of banks because in the past, they would contact me when someone stole my credit card and they're like, hey, did you just buy $600 worth of porn uh, in Miami, Florida? I'm like, no, I, I bought $400, but I'm in Pennsylvania. That's a joke, by the way. And they were able to catch a thief and they shut my card down and they protected me, which is what you expect your bank to do. With crypto, you don't get that. With crypto, if you lose everything, you're screwed. But I like crypto. I'm a full stack developer. I'm totally into technology and putting things on your phone. I think the phone has a lot of advantages, a lot of bad stuff about the phone. Don't get me wrong, but it has a lot of good stuff. So this idea that you can that I could pay my farmer with crypto is really exciting. Well, here's the big problem. And it's KYC. If you're not familiar, KYC stands for Know Your Customer. It is a banking term that basically means get every single personal thing about your customer under the guise of protecting against terrorism and uh, black markets and counterfeiting and buying illegal shit. All right. So everyone basically is suspicious. You could be Mother Teresa. We still got to do KYC on you. So speaking of crypto, I tried to take some crypto that I have and convert it into cash. I don't like to use crypto for investments. I like to use it to pay people. I don't want to hold or holdle crypto. I, I don't trust it. And I want to convert it into cash so I can invest and buy stuff, resources. And... Oh, what you have to go through. It was like, I remember when I refied the mortgage a couple of years ago, it was worse than that. I had to give my name, my street address, my phone number, my social security number, my date of birth, both sides of my driver's license. What else? Oh, and I had to scan, speaking of Comcast, I had to scan my Comcast bill, a utility bill front and back. Oh, if that's not enough, I had to look into my laptop with the camera on and I had to look to the left and a couple seconds later, look to the right so that they can make sure that 3D, um, I am who I, uh, who I am. 
crazy. Just ridiculous. Why? Because I want to take $250 out and cash it into cash. I mean, it'd be one thing if it was millions of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars. No, 250 bucks, this is what you got to do. So what does this have to do with 9-11? Well, let me show you. Oh, wait, this is... Um, what? Oh, this is the Patriot Act. Yeah, so that's what it has to do with 9-11. Let me backtrack. 45 days exactly after 9-11... The, the worldwide governments came out with the USA Patriot Act, which stands for United and Strengthening America by Providing Appropriate Tools Required to Intercept and Obstruct Terrorism Act of 2001. Now, some people are misreporting the fact that the Patriot Act is so thick, it's like a telephone book. It's not. It's 300 pages, which isn't really that thick. But here it is. Here's the Patriot Act. We're told that government officials, people in government are super incompetent, super slow, takes forever for them to do something. I'm going on and on and on. It just goes on and on and on, 300 pages. Yet somehow they were able to bang this thing out in 45 days after the terrorist attack of 9-11. I don't think so. But whatevs, we'll go with that. So let me put that there. Okay, here's what I wanted to click on. Here is the punchline of 9-11, which is tied in to the Patriot Act, which has to do with know your customer. And let me see if I can find it exactly. Boom, 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 boom. Okay, here we go. Check this out. As noted above, page 672 of the Bloomberg Corporate Law Journal, KYC generally. As noted above, the most substantial change to the business practices of the financial services industry wrought by the Patriot Act relates to know your customer or KYC. Like many provisions of the Patriot Act, the KYC related measures were conceived long before the autumn of 2001. Let me repeat that for the hard of thinking. Like many provisions of the Patriot Act, so in other words, they've known about the Patriot Act that they give us well before the terrorists struck. The KYC-related measures were conceived long before the autumn of 2001. The 9-11 terrorist attack added new political momentum, I'll explain that in a second, to their consideration. Indeed, bank regulators first proposed a KYC regulation in 1988, which is three years before 9-11 but were swiftly forced to abandon it in face of withering criticism from the banking industry and the public, which is just nonsense. No, they just used this and slipped this in to the Patriot Act so that it began the Total Information Awareness, TIA, the total surveillance of us worldwide in the coming decades. And those coming decades have come to roost. That's what we're at right now. That's why crypto is becoming a thing. If you notice, you keep hearing about this crypto thing, but you don't know too much about it. It just seems like the geeks are into it. You hear, wow, someone bought a pizza with crypto in 2009, and today they 
that person who received the money for the pizza, he's now a gazillionaire. See, that's what they do. They do this all the time. This actually happened with Google AdWords. Little sidetrack here. Google AdWords, I'm sorry, Google AdSense was where, in fact, let me post this in the, uh, in the notes. His name was Jeremy Shoemaker. And Google did a deal with a blogger named Jeremy Shoemaker and paid him a lot of money for him to put a little piece of code on his blog. And if someone, and what that code did is it displayed some ads. And if someone clicked on those ads, Jeremy would get some shekels. And he made like $130,000. I think that was completely made up. I think they just were going to give him $130,000 just to promote it. And then Jeremy posted this check and said, oh my God, you got to check this thing out. I got $130,000 for just posting a little bunch of ads on my website. You should do it too. And that's what launched Google AdSense. So these guys, are they do this stuff all the time. Now, so that you got KYC, you got crypto. Let's talk about crypto. In fact, I talked about this two nights ago on Tim, the Fakeologist show, which was, if you go back to September 9th, 2021, uh, go to my website at escapethenewnormal.com, click on the Marcus Allen Show. Again, look for the September 9th, 2021 conversation. If it's still up, don't delay. I take all the stuff. I usually leave about 10 free up on my website. And as I do them, then I put them back behind the paywall. And we talked about this. Crypto was created by DARPA. DARPA is the military arm of the banksters worldwide. It is the military, the worldwide military under the guise of the United States military or the Italian military. It's all the same. They're all working together. So let me click on this. This is my favorite forum. It's called Godlike Productions. Let me go back to the forum, the main index here. It is absolute garbage. Tons of disinformation, tons of paid shills go here. They talk about everything from Evander Holyfield to rate your horse paste to Trump. It's it's just a shit show of what's going on in the world. Now, I love this place because I figured out how to find that needle in the haystack. Because from time to time, there's someone who posts something that's amazing that no one gets to see. And that's this article right here. Bitcoin was created by DARPA. In fact, this post right here, I'm going to read in full, is amazing. So here we go. There is no way to stop what is going to happen with Bitcoin. By the way, this was posted November 22nd, 2013. That would be four years after Bitcoin was introduced to the world. There is no way to stop what is going on with Bitcoin. It is an issue of sociology. It's an issue of human greed. It's an issue as to who created Bitcoin and why. Who is the single largest holder of BTC Bitcoin right now? Quote unquote, Satoshi. Who is he? I will say it again. NSA DARPA created Bitcoin under the guidance of the IMF, which is the International Monetary Fund. The IMF has been openly calling for a digital one world deflationary currency for over two decades, openly. It has been discussed and promoted openly at G8 and G20 summits. 
From the early 90s through 1996, the NSA was openly investigating cryptographic money networks. And when you click on this, this is what I posted on the show with Tim a couple of nights ago. And this is from October 31st, 1996. And it goes on and on and on. So this is DARPA bragging to the world how they're going to create a cryptocurrency, digital dollar. And here it is for everyone to see. And no one has debunked it. I've shown this to many people and no one has come back. I just showed it at a bar last night where I go with my truther friends from time to time and showed it to them and their head kind of exploded. And they said, well, I have to kind of read this through. I'll read this at work. Haven't heard anything since. One of their researchers and investigators is a man named Tasu Tasuaki Okamoto. When they actively started writing the code, they chose the pseudonym Satoshi Nakamura to ultimately promote the idea that Tsuaki Okamoto to any and all who investigated the source of Bitcoin long enough. But let's just call him Tio. But Tio is just a cog. He's not the same rogue savior out to topple centralized banks. That, I got to repeat that again for the heart of thinking. He's not some rogue savior out to topple centralized banks. Not at all. He is a crypto scientist who is paid by government and intelligence agencies to do research. Bitcoin is an NSA DARPA lab set into the wild. Scientific technology grants issued by government and intelligence agencies are how these labs are funded and promoted. The regulation and control of Bitcoin has been actively developed alongside the development of the network. In fact, the controls, policy, and regulation are way, way more mature than Bitcoin protocol itself. That's why we see things like Greenlist written into law without a mention of Bitcoin until recently. I have notes on Greenlist. Let me find it. Here we go. It was right underneath. So check this out. Greenlist is basically an approved list of cryptocurrencies that states and governments are going to allow in the future. Take a look. Take a look here. Here they are. Binance USD, Bitcoin BTC, Bitcoin Cash. I'm going to talk a lot about Bitcoin Cash. You're not going to believe what I'm about to tell you about Bitcoin Cash. Don't, don't even think about going to the bathroom until I tell you about this. Ethereum, Gemini, ETH, Ethereum Classic, Litecoin, Pax Gold, Pax is Standard, Ripple. Okay, so that's what the green list is all about. That's the approved list meaning all the 11,000 plus other cryptos are going to be left in the dark. They will not be approved. They'll probably be shut down and deregulated and taxed out of existence. Let me continue. Coinbase, blockchain.info, and it would appear Coinsetter are in line to be the first to roll out the incoming policy and regulation. This policy and regulation is worldwide. Worldwide. It is corporate. It is not about governments. Governments adopt corporate organized policies. If you think this is new, then you need to investigate ACH and NACHA. Okay, so what's ACH? That's 
how most things like checks and deposits and the rest of it are cleared through banks. And here is NACHA about us. NACHA governs the thriving ACH network, the payment system that drives safe, smart, and fast direct deposits and direct payments with the capability to reach all U.S. banks and credit union accounts. By the way, if you think a credit union is better than U.S. bank when it comes to COVID and you being unvaxxed and you being frozen out of your accounts in the very near future, I got some swampland to sell you in Orlando, Florida. Let me move that up in my notes so I don't have to do too much work tonight. Okay, back to the article. Bitcoin is their network. And what this person means by that is it's the bankster's network. They're pretending, this is the not for you strategy, they're pretending that Bitcoin is bad. Criminals use Bitcoin and you buy weed with crypto, with crypto and you're, you're hiding things and you're trying to avoid taxes. That's the not for you strategy. It's the same strategy that the banksters have given us for the drinking age and the smoking age. Oh, you have to be 21 to drink alcohol. And what do people do as soon as they're 21? They can't wait to get it. Hopefully they regret it because it ain't all that. It's not, not worth going after. But that's the not for you strategy. So Bitcoin is their network. And for the minority early adopters, that is going to be a hard pill to swallow. And he says that, I'm assuming, hey, because people who were early to the game think that they were truly doing the right thing. They were being counterculture, anti-government, and creating a currency that would fight the banksters. No, it was the banksters that gave them Bitcoin. But for those in the know, like Gavin, it's payday. Realization, I forgot to look. Did I look up Gavin? Let me, I don't think I did. So let's see, Gavin, probably an early adopter of Bitcoin, maybe wrote code. Let's see. Gavin Anderson. Uh, as a software developer for his involvement with Bitcoin. Uh, he Okay. I'll post this in the chat or into the notes. But he is not the inventor of Bitcoin. I can tell you that. Uh, in fact, I'll tell you who it is in a moment. That's why you got to wait till the end. I, I left the best part for the end. Realization and monetization of their massive Bitcoin holdings is being guaranteed by regulators. That is why they are all literally rushing to regulate. Legitimization of Bitcoin is all about hosted wallets. A hosted wallet is like being your own bank. So you have a wallet. It could be a software wallet. It could be a hardware wallet. It can be a piece of paper that has your seed password phrases on it. So you're literally your own bank. You're, you're decentralized. You're not going through an intermediary. Intermediary. You get what I'm saying. The centrali centralization of Bitcoin, whoa, it's supposed to be decentralized. Hosted wallet providers approve disapproved transactions before they're actually issued on the network. Green list enabled wallets will be the fastest for offline transactions. Green list enabled wallets will be hooked directly to your bank account. That's not good. That's KYC. Ease of buying and selling. Green list enabled exchanges. That's where you can buy crypto or sell crypto for fiat money, such as cash. 
will have the largest market with the best prices. That's to hook you in. Greenlist-enabled wallets will completely eliminate the risk of stolen coins. That is not true, by the way. But I'll do a whole show about crypto. Stay tuned for that. No more security worries at all. Not true. And this is what the masses have come to expect because they get it from the banks. Until recently. And this is why it's going to happen. And green-listed wallets will be accepted everywhere. That's the problem with crypto right now. Where can you take your crypto and buy a pizza? You can't. It's slow. It costs, the, the transaction fees are in the double, it could be $10, $50. So you buy a pizza for $5, $8, $10. And the fee to send that to the pizza place is $20, $50. It was as high as $80 at one time. That's not going to fly which leads into what's coming next. And I'll get to that in a second. And this is why it's going to happen and green listed wallets will be accepted everywhere. And in the physical world, you will identify yourself in your wallet with your biometrics. Ding, ding, and fucking ding. What does that mean? Why do you think Apple computer, Samsung, Google, and the rest of it are so excited about making face ID, making it so that you just stare into your phone and it unlocks. So instead of taking a couple seconds and putting in your passcode, you just stare at the phone. Of course, if you're wearing a mask, it doesn't work, but why let the facts get in the way of a good story? It's because in the future, you're not going to need your phone to use crypto. You will use your face. You will stare at a scanning device. It will know Everything about you, your health records, your vaccination status, your social credit score. Have you been a good little slave? Do you complain about the government? Did you get your vax? Oh, if you didn't, oh, we just scanned your, oh, you can't spend money here. You can't go here. Oh, we just froze your crypto account. So then that goes to this. And this is a whole nother discussion. I'm not going to go over it because I want to keep this short, but I'll post it. Let's see if I have it in my notes. If not, I will. I do. The future of Bitcoin is biometric authentication and identification. This is why I rock a seven Apple iPhone 7 Plus. And the next one I get is an 8 plus because it doesn't have facial recognition. No way am I going to do facial recognition in their system. I'll do it in my system because I trust my system that I'm inventing. I'll tell you more about that later, but not in their system. No way. So I'm out of breath. Here we go. Final. Uh, so TL, it's TLDR, basically, the summary is Bitcoin is a global digital currency Regulation was created in tandem with development and adoption. Bitcoin is not and never was meant to be a liberty-promoting value exchange. Very important. Let me say that again. Bitcoin is not and never was meant to be a liberty-promoting value exchange. Although everyone you speak to is like, don't you want to fight against the banksters? There is no Satoshi. The central banks are already the largest holders of Bitcoin. Bitcoin is going to the moon because of this. 
By the way, if Bitcoin was truly for the little people like us, then this page wouldn't exist. Here are the five biggest Bitcoin transactions in history. April 1st of last year, one point, they love their 11, $1.1 billion, 161,500 BTC was purchased by someone. Again, I'll post a link to this so you can look for yourself. February of 2020, there's the 33, got to get the 33 in, $1.033 billion worth of Bitcoin. September 2019, $1 billion. Do you really think Joe Blow down the street who might own a lawn cutting service is going to buy $1 billion worth of Bitcoin? Or is it the big people at the top in the club? October 2019, $894 million. And finally, the fifth top one, February 2020, $491 million. Okay. So no, this is not some counterculture, grassroots, kumbaya, anti-government, digital currency. It is given to us by them. I have in my notes to look up the Economist magazine cover. Show you that real quick from 1988. Here it is. By the way, the... Economist is a Rothschilds, admitted Rothschilds owned publication. And in 1988, they said, get ready for world currency in 20 years. And they're about three years off. And it's called the Phoenix, by the way. That's what they're going to call the world currency, the digital world currency. Um, I've got more discussions on Reddit about this. Again, I won't go too much into it because we're at an hour and 17, almost 18 minutes. And um, not to, actually, there aren't too many comments here. That's good. Internet was created by DARPA. So this is an admission. Here we go. Here we go. Hey, I'm a conspiracy theorist, right? DARPA was created in 1958 as an advanced research project agency. The, oh, I'm sorry. Um, yeah. The political and defense communities recognized the need for high-level defense organ organization to formulate and execute R&D projects that would expand the frontiers of technology beyond the immediate and specific requirements of the military services and their laboratories. I, I read the wrong thing. I wanted to show that DARPA in invented the internet. DARPA's or ARPA's involvement in the creation of the internet began with an idea to link time sharing computers into a national system. So there you go for that. And then I want to tell you about news.bitcoin.com, which is going to lead to my punchline. We're coming to the end. Thanks for sticking with me. This is fantastic. Okay. This website, it's called bitcoin.com, is owned by what is a uh, person uh, personality known as Bitcoin Jesus, although he claims he doesn't like that. His name is Roger Veer. Truthfully, I am super impressed with Roger Veer. I contacted him recently. Uh, as you know, or maybe you don't, if you go to Escape the New Normal, I am building towns for the unvaccinated that are private towns and cannot be uh, visited by the government. Guaranteed. It will be the safest and most secure towns on the planet, they'll be open 
opening as we build them all across America from east to west. And I said to Roger, I know you've tried to do this many years ago. You raised a half a billion dollars to do it, and you have yet to break ground. What do you think about joining forces and making it happen? And he basically wrote back, I won't get into the exact because I'm not sure it was private or not. He basically said that he wasn't interested and he wasn't in, he wasn't doing any new projects and that he was uh, ill. He, it, it, he was in bad, bad shape. And, uh, and then he sent me $5 worth of Bitcoin cash. <laughs> Actually, he sent me $5 worth of Bitcoin cash before that. Now, let me explain what that means. I, because I do a show, all these people in crypto want to tell me that their crypto is different than regular crypto, which is probably not true. So I've been getting crypto. I've been getting a lot of crypto, and I can't use it because it's on their own wallet, and you can't spend any of this crypto. I mean, where can you spend? You know, I have Epic Cash. I have a 1,000 Epic Cash that was sent to me by both Uncle Todd, Uncle Vigilante, and by Max, who's the founder or owner or whatever it is of Epic Cash. Okay, I want to go buy bricks for building Exclave Private Towns. How can I take my Epic Cash and go buy bricks? Well, you can't. And there's no indication that in the future you're going to be able to. I keep hearing that it might, but it never comes to fruition. Now, the difference between that and Bitcoin.com is Bitcoin is a big proponent of Bitcoin Cash. And if you remember that green list, that was one of the approved currencies, cryptocurrencies that will be allowed in the system. Now check this out. Everyone wants to know who is Satoshi? Who is the guy who invented Bitcoin? Well, check this out. Just zoom right to it. Boom, boom, boom. Oh. Let me search for Adam back. I must have clipped the wrong one. Yeah, so I let me just read this. I don't remember. I'll, I'll, I'll find it after the recording's done and I'll post it here. Bitcoin was supposedly invented by someone named Satoshi Nakamoto. But more, like, more than likely, it was written by a man named Adam Back, who circles around the Bitcoin space and has a background in the fields of math and engineering that Bitcoin requires. In addition, he was also involved with Tor, which is another similar sort of project funded by USG, posing as a privacy device. And that's a very apropos phrasing because Tor is another DARPA creation under the guise that it was funded by the Navy. And I just watched a video. In fact, I'll post a video of Tor Inventor, who was very on the defense of being called a shill and a government agent, all that kind of stuff. And quite frankly, the video was not very convincing. He admitted that the government funded his project, but he said there is really nothing to see here. Okay, so let me get to the punchline of this whole thing. We're almost at the end. It is Saturday, September 11th, 
at 856 uh, uh, 2021 857 in the pm so where do all the roads lead to well unfortunately it looks like it leads to roger ver take a look at this this is uh domains.google.com is one of the better domain registrar who is lookups so you can look up any website address and see all kinds of information about that now, keep in mind that Bitcoin was invented in 2009. Why? Now, maybe there's a plausible reason. Maybe Roger, if he hears this, can respond to this. Why did Roger acquire the domain a year and a half before Bitcoin was even created? There it is. January 4th, 2008. He keeps saying how terrible Bitcoin is. Why does he have a website called Bitcoin? Why not Bitcoin Cash? He's a big promoter of Bitcoin Cash. Very interesting to me. So if I were a betting person, again, this is just my observation, my judgment. I'm not telling you what to think. I'm not saying for sure that Roger Veer is Satoshi Naka, whatever. All I'm saying is if I were a betting man, and I'm not, I would say that Roger Veer is Satoshi. And of course, we'll deny it. They all do. And if he is Satoshi, that would be very disappointing to me, or funded Satoshi, I should say, because that means he's part of the government. Now, maybe, again, there's a plausible explanation why he got lucky and just happened. It's a coincidence that Bitcoin is his, and I, I, I can't even make an excuse for it. It's ridiculous, but that's the case. So there it is. That is the 9-11 tied into KYC, tied into crypto connection. That's what this is all about. In fact, I have a, man, I have so, you know, with COVID, my plans change every day. Like I plan to do something and then it changes. And yeah, that's what this is all about. That's what the future is. The future is to convince us by pulling the rug out from underneath us the economy, our jobs, our way of being, the way we travel, because we're not going to be able to travel. There are shortages. Uh, I talked about this a couple of nights ago. They are paying farmers 150% of market prices to destroy their crops. This is a letter from the United States Department of Agriculture that went out, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, maybe a week ago. And if you don't take the bribe, if you don't take the 150% payment, they're going to spray Agent Orange on your crops and destroy them and give you nothing. And the reason they're doing this is to fight climate change. And farmers, for the most part, it seems they're taking the cash and destroying the crops. They are manufacturing scarcity again, manufacturing famines and starvation and Again, I don't predict things because I don't, I'm not into the prediction business. Typically, I've done a couple predictions in my life that have come true just off by a couple months. However, it does look like this is an evil plan to get everyday people to beg to get into crypto. I think that's what they're going to do. They're going to crash the economy, crash the dollar, and say, hey, if you're willing to take your worthless dollars and put it into crypto, into Bitcoin, we, the government, can help you out and bail you out. And I think that's what this is all about. Anyway, it's exactly 9 o'clock. 
September 11, 2020, on a Saturday. I have not eaten dinner, and I purposely did that because I know I'd go on for hours if I did. So I'm going to make myself a little bit of dinner. You have my full permission to pass this on. Again, I would recommend passing it on to those people who you know, who know that there's something wrong with life but don't know exactly what it is. I would absolutely not send this. If I said this earlier in the broadcast, I take it back. I would not send this to a normie. I would not talk to someone who thinks 9-11 is real, who masks up, who takes the vaccine and hates you because you don't. You're just going to upset them. And they are not the enemy. The enemy are the banksters, plain and simple. Finally, once again, if you go to escapethenewnormal.com, take the tour of the vision of Exclave Private Towns. The big thing we're working on right now, and we desperately need your help to fund it, is Exclave Bucks. Exclave Bucks is kind of like crypto, but it's not. It is centralized. It is easy to use. You can create an account in literally a click, and we can start locally trading. It's kind of like digital bartering. We can start trading like money with our neighbors. Actually, you can do it anywhere. And we can get around, because what they're doing, <laughs> there's no doubt in my mind that they're going to cut off people's money. If you're not 100% on board with a social credit score with the green check mark, they're going to freeze your bank account. This has already happened in Nigeria. And I just heard that it's happening in the Netherlands. That means it's coming to us. So I was at the bar last night and I was just, I was like, guys, I'm here on a Friday night. I'm never out at a bar on a Friday night because I'm with my family. My family's at a, uh, at a wedding right now. I said, I want to know what you guys think of the latest that's going on with, with the Biden remarks and all that kind of stuff. And they're like, yeah, yeah, it's just more of the same. And I'm like, oh, how come you guys aren't freaking out and like approaching me about joining Exclave Private Towns? And one guy, Alex, he said, he goes, you know, when you showed us Exclave Private Towns when we first met, I really thought you were off your rocker. He goes, no, I'm, he goes, I'm not there yet. I said, wait a second, you think things are going to get better? And he's like, uh, no. He said, but I'm not drowning yet. And that's the second time I've heard that. I was on with Tim a couple of nights ago. He's like, I'm not drowning yet. If we wait till we drown, then we're not going to be able to get this stuff up and running. So we need to do it now. Now is the time to do it. So again, go to escapethenewnormal.com. Go through the tour. Look at the last step. Make it happen. Join me. Make it happen. I'm making it so easy. Just a little bit of funding. A little bit of funding helps us get this stuff up and running. So then when the shit does hit the fan, we have a chance. Because right now, if no one does it, we don't have a chance. Okay. Off to go eat some dinner. I appreciate you hanging in till the end. Pass this along to everyone who you think can benefit from it. Have a fantastic night. And I'll talk to you on Monday. Take care.